I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast. It is December, and I am once again here to ask you to support this podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by becoming a podcast sponsor. If you support Cato to the tune of $1,000 or more, I'll gladly give you a shout out on the podcast. The only way to do it is to visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to make your donation. Cato accepts no government money. We depend on the generosity of our sponsors to help us advance the values of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support the Cato Daily Podcast and the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 10th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Turkey's President Erdogan exerts a high degree of control over the government, the press, and the economy. And while Erdogan doesn't appear to take criticism particularly well, the performance of the Turkish lira as currency, try as he might, isn't really in his control. Cato's Mustafa Akiol explains. Turkey is going through what the Wall Street Journal editorial recently a Wall Street Journal editorial recently called the Erdogan Lira crisis. Lira is, of course, Turkey's national uh, currency. And the crisis is that the Lira literally collapsed against foreign currencies, in particular the dollar. And to give you a sense, like in 2012, one Lira was like half a dollar, like one dollar equaled two Liras, even less. Now one dollar equals 14 liras, which means uh, people lost their savings in Turkey sevenfold. Uh, and and, the, and the, everything is becoming much more expensive. Inflation skyrocketed. There are shortages now. People are trying to buy cheap bread. Uh, I don't want to exaggerate. I mean, Turkey is still a functioning country. Still, it is an economy. But there is this bizarre collapse of the lira, the Turkish currency, with, with dire consequences. And uh, why is this happening? Well, anybody who looks into the Turkish political scene will see that this is happening mostly, I mean, it's a complicated scene, but mostly because Turkey's President Erdogan believes in a bizarre theory of economics. He, he believes that if you lower the interest rates of a currency, it will always do wonders. It will lead, lead to lower inflation, which is exactly the opposite of what conventional economists will tell you. And people were telling him. But he hasn't listened to anybody, and he thinks he knows economy better than anybody else, as he thinks he knows anything better than anybody else. And he has been imposing this lisenkoism, as I called it, this bizarre pseudoscience on Turkey's institutions, including the central bank. Uh, and that is a key factor behind this uh, bizarre economic crisis, which Turkey could simply avoid it. it Turkey, Turkey was doing better before this, much better. If you follow uh, Steve Hankey's work on uh, troubled currencies, you will see uh, a chart that shows up over and over in, in with the, the, the thing that only changes really is at the top, which is the name of the country. And you'll see official inflation rate. And then below that, uh, above that, rather, you'll see uh, the rate that Steve has calculated for a lot of these countries, which is almost inevitably higher. Uh, so I guess to what extent is the control that uh, Erdogan exerts over Turkey driving this economic crisis? 
well, it's good that you pointed to the problem of control, and that's the key thing. Because here, on the one hand, you have a president who believes in a bizarre theory that goes against the knowledge and you know the views of the experts on that field. I mean, we've seen presidents like that, right? I mean, you may believe that uh, hydrochlorine might be enough to treat COVID, and and somebody can believe in that and can say that. But then there are institutions and there are experts and there's media to criticize these different views. So one president doesn't control everything. And the problem in Turkey is that, uh, I mean, Erdogan believes in this uh, weird theory about interest rates and the roots of that is a different discussion, but he has this idea. But then he has the power to impose this idea on the central bank. In the past uh, 10 years, less than 10 years, eight years, I think, Erdogan has five times changed the head of Turkey's central bank. And every time he changed, or a few times he changed, he said, they don't listen to me. So that's why I'm changing. I'm bringing a new person. And well, they don't listen to you because they know that the economy doesn't work that way. But Erdogan has the power to change the uh, central bank and then bring a new person. And that new person praises the president for bringing him to power. Um, and this is also, of course, Erdogan has the power to pass any laws that he wants because he controls the three powers of the state, the executive, the legislation, and the judiciary, which is key. And that's why critics of Erdogan you know, are treated not very nicely by the Turkish judiciary. And then uh, Erdogan controls some 90% of the media in Turkey today. That's why when you open mainstream Turkish televisions, you will not see commentators saying, this is ridiculous and we are having a crisis because of a, a president who has a delusional theory. No, they will say, oh, this is a great conspiracy against our nation. And how this conspiracy is coming out, oh, I mean, all these cabals and hideous groups and, and power circles and all that, they are all coming after Turkey and Erdogan is our best bet against them. So that conspiratorial pro-Erdogan narrative has dominated the Turkish media. And that's why I think Erdogan on the one hand, has created an economic crisis, but on the other hand, he's selling this crisis at least to a big chunk of society who still support him as an attack on Turkey, uh, which is precisely the reason why people should rally behind Erdogan. What do you expect to see in the coming weeks and months? There are elections scheduled for, uh, I guess, more than a year from now, uh, a year and a half from now, really. Uh, what do you expect to see? Uh, we will see. I mean, nobody has actually a good answer. But one thing about Turkey is that Turkey is still a electoral democracy. So elections still matter. When people look from the outside, they can say, oh, this is an authoritarian regime. Elections shouldn't matter. But they do uh, for good reasons. I mean, Turkey has an electoral system and open counting, a decent electoral uh, board and body and everything too make sure that the elections matter. And so far, actually, Erdogan is in power because he has been winning elections, because he's a successful populist, he rallies his base, he demonizes opposition, he crushes opposition, but he's been winning uh, the elections. But, but now everybody in Turkey says and knows and polls show that his votes are actually declining. Uh, it was 50% uh, for many years, around half of the society, but it's going down maybe to uh, 40%, even less. And there are presidential elections scheduled in June 2023. So what is going to happen is, I think, Erdogan will try to manage this crisis, present this as an attack on the nation, 
against which all the good patriots should rally behind him. He will pump up all the propaganda and probably some more pressure on the opposition to be able to win the elections. Uh, he can probably change the constitutional system as well, because right now the constitution constitution requires that the president should get 50 plus one percent of the votes, 50 percent of the votes plus one. Uh, but that puts him in danger. And now he can change back that into a system where the, uh, the, the person who gets the highest vote can be the winner. I mean, he has the whole system. He can tailor everything. He will try to win. Still, will it be enough or not? We don't know. Uh, Erdogan has a religiously conservative base, which would vote for him no matter what, because, for example, he opened Hagia Sophia as a mosque or things like that, symbolic things that really matter. And uh, he's trying to preserve that. We will see whether this will be enough or not. And we will. We don't also know whether if he loses an election, will he say, okay, I lost an election and time for me to retire or, you know, to go to opposition? Or will he uh, say this is yet another conspiracy against our nation? So these are questions really Turkey experts are wondering. Uh, my sense is that somehow probably there will be a post-Erdogan Turkey and uh, and I think Turkey's Western allies should try to keep Turkey in the Western fold so that post-Erdogan Turkey somehow can be rescued from b- becoming fully a, an imitation of Russia and China. Because Erdogan has now recently said Turkey is shifting to the Chinese model in economy. Uh, and nobody knows what it, what it means, but it doesn't sound good because it sounds quite authoritarian. You know, I don't want to belabor this point, but the idea that someone who has uh not total, but a very high degree of control over the media, over uh, the everyday lives of uh, people in a country, it's probably very hard for that person to get good advice. And the incentives in that uh, leader uh, might be to uh, toss out anyone who does give him good advice, depending on whether or not it agrees with uh, what he argues. You say that Erdoganomics, uh, <laughs> the the idea that uh, he ought to maintain very, very low interest rates sort of flies in the face with a lot of sort of basic economic thinking. That is exactly right, Caleb. And uh, the Erdogan story is quite interesting because he actually began with success. I mean, his earlier years in power were a success story, both economically and politically. But at that time, the ruling party was not just an Erdogan party. There were smarter people there. There were people who knew the world. For example, the economy was managed by Ali Babajan, who was uh, a conventional economist, and he did pretty well in managing Turkey based on European Union criteria and trends in global markets. Now, uh, Ali Babajan is an opposition figure. He opened an opposition party against Erdogan as saying that Erdogan has ruined our uh, success. Uh, and, and because... Erdogan got rid of everybody virtually around him who could say something different than what he thought. And gradually, it just turned into a party based on cult of personality. When you have a party like that, I mean, people who have a who have a worldview of their own, who have right and wrong values and, 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 and intellectual depth cannot stay there. That's why Erdogan surrounded him with sycophants who will applaud whatever he does. Uh, and that sort of political model became the the political system of the country. Um, it's interesting that all the constitutional designs that were uh, brought in Turkey in the past 10 years, 
to empower Erdogan was sold by Erdogan's propagandists as a system of efficiency. They were saying that, oh, in Turkey, the president can't make enough decisions fast enough and implement them right away because there are hurdles, there are obstacles. So let's give all the power to the president and he will be super efficient. Of course, this was based on the presumption that whatever the president decides is correct. So what happens is that, yes, the system became incredibly efficient, but uh, there's no guarantee that the ideas of presidents are correct. Uh, there's no guarantee that he really understands the economy. Uh, quite the contrary, what I've seen is a rise of a hubristic character who really has bizarre ideas and delusional views and then uh, imposing on them on the whole state machinery and the whole nation because nothing stops him. I think this recent story in Turkey confirms that authoritarian regimes really are not doing well when it comes to uh, efficient governance. Because there's a line which says authoritarian regimes can be more successful than liberal democracies because you know they're not constrained by these checks and balances. But quite the contrary, we've seen that authoritarianism leads to catastrophes. Uh, we've seen that in, throughout the 20th century. Uh, we've, we are now seeing that in Turkey. And I think this Turkey story reminds that as political system with checks and balances and limited government and a limited leader is a good idea. Because when you have unlimited leaders with, uh, with the power to do everything they want, they can really do terrible things. Mustafa Akiol is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.